Well, tonight I want to talk to you from the book of Mark, chapter 10, verse 46 through 52, and we're going to look at some faith challenges. We're going to look at some lessons of how our faith can overcome the different and various challenges that we face in life. Faith has been one of those issues that through the years has always kind of fascinated me. I've had a lot of questions about it as a young person. I wanted my faith to increase. I wanted my faith to grow. I would pray like the disciples did, Lord, increase my faith. And then I found out I also had a responsibility for increasing my faith. But I had an interesting, interesting young man. As a matter of fact, he was several years older than me. He was in his 20s. Uh, probably almost 30 when Becky and I went to our very first church after we got married. And um, I was youth pastor of the church, and this young man that was there who came from a very well-to-do family, his, his father owned a, a large corporation, and we became friends, but he was a little bit awkward. Let me rephrase that. He was a lot awkward. Something that happened to his mind, and I've never got the whole story, even though we were friends with the family, been in his home with his, his parents. He had been engaged to a beautiful young woman in our congregation that ended up, you know, breaking the engagement because of whatever happened to him mentally that made him awkward and made him sometimes a little slow about things. But he loved Jesus. He loved Jesus so much. And he married, the, the girl he was engaged to married a, another young man in our church that became very close friends and still are very close friends to Becky and I to this day. And um, I remember we were talking one night about what had happened and the change. But something that didn't change in him was his love for Jesus. But his love for Jesus, there was no filter for his love for Jesus. So no matter where we were at, he would start telling people in whatever situation we were in about Jesus, and he'd set it up just by start talking about Jesus, and if I was with him, he'd say, and this is my pastor, he's going to tell you all about Jesus, and I wouldn't have known them or anything about them. We could go to a restaurant, and the waitress would come to our table, and he would go, this is my pastor, he wants to tell you about Jesus before we order and it was just sometimes the most bizarre circuit. People who knew him, they understood, and it was okay. People that didn't know him, it could be very awkward. His dad, at times, he would say, Dad, pastor's going to tell you about Jesus today. And his dad would look at me and smile. His dad wasn't a Christian, and as far as I know, his dad never did give his heart to Jesus. But I'm going to call him Steve. But Steve loved Jesus, and there were a lot of people that in their awkwardness, something about his pure passion for Jesus, it just eventually led to them coming to know Christ as their Savior. God sometimes uses the most unlikely people that you would ever think. I look in here tonight and I go, yes, you're all candidates. You're all the cream of the crop. I can see God using you. But we're going to look at a story of a man tonight you would have never thought God would use. Because, number one, he didn't have a filter. And I can, you're going to say, oh, how do you know that? I'll tell you how I know that in just a few minutes. But I want you to compare, because we're going to talk about lessons about faith. Remember, the disciples had asked Jesus earlier in verse 35, James and John came to Jesus and says, teacher, we want you to do us a favor. When you come into your kingdom, one of us want to be at your right hand and want to be. Jesus didn't answer that prayer. 
And so there are prayers that you and I pray that Jesus doesn't answer. Just because you pray doesn't mean that you're going to get the answer you want to that prayer. But Bartimaeus, we're calling Bart for the rest of the service tonight because it's a lot easier for me to say and not spit or anything. Bart, he stood in direct contrast to James and John. James and John were asking because of their relationship to Jesus, because they thought they merited it or they had earned it or something of that nature. They deserved it. But what we're going to learn tonight is that Jesus will always respond to faith-filled prayers by meeting personal needs. He will always respond to faith-filled prayers by meeting personal needs. And notice the last word in that sentence is what? Needs, okay? Because sometimes we may ask for things that aren't necessarily needs and their desires, and I think God delights to give us the desires of our heart in His time and in His way and for what's best for us. By the way, this is the last miracle. It's like every week we've been looking at a miracle since we started. We've been in Mark for over a year. It's like every week we've looked at a miracle, but this is the last miracle that Jesus is going to perform because from here on out we're going to be looking at the passion, okay? Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. And a blind beggar beggar named Bart, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. And when Bart heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, and pardon me, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. And it's what I wanted to say to Steve so many times, be quiet quiet. One Sunday afternoon, I took someone to the Big Bear for lunch, and we got in there, and I was just being kind. I had the staff with me. I had another guest with me, and this person had showed up, so I was going to be nice, and I invited them, and I said, would you like to ask a blessing today? He goes, yes, and he goes, Jesus, Thank you. And then he began to preach a sermon and prayer, and everything in me wanted to go, be quiet. Later that week, I was in there with a missionary, and the owner of the restaurant came over to me. She said to me, says, who was that with you on Sunday? She said, he scared people in here. I said, he scared me, you know. So the crowd is yelling at Bart, be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man, cheer up, they said, come on, he's calling you. Bart threw aside his coat, and there's a sermon right there, jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Now, some people will read that and say, faith healed. It wasn't faith that healed. That's the reason I don't like that phrase, faith healing. It was his faith in Jesus. It was because he had faith to come to Jesus. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. This is a direct fulfillment of the many times. In Isaiah 29, 18, for instance, In that day, the deaf will hear words read from a book, and the blind will see through the gloom and the darkness. One of the prophecies fulfilled about the Messiah was he would heal the blind. And there are no instances of blind people being healed in the Old Testament. 
And so that has a lot to do. This passage from Isaiah has a lot to do with the story that we just read. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. And I ask you in the next few minutes that, God, you would speak to our hearts so that whatever huge obstacles, whatever huge blocks, whatever walls we come against, that, Lord, we can learn from this passage about Bartimaeus, Lord, of how to overcome those things for your glory and honor. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Well, you know this, but it does us good to be reminded once in a while that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Even tonight in listening to this message, the ongoing benefit of preaching and listening to preaching and following through on looking at the scriptures, according to the very scriptures itself, is it's a part of that ongoing salvific process that takes place in our life. Not that it's preaching that saves us from our sin, but it's that ongoing process of God saving us from the power of sin that's at work in our world. And faith comes by hearing, and as we look at tonight, hearing is much more than just hearing it, it's obeying, it's listening and hearing the word of the Lord. Peter would write to a group, and remember Peter is the one dictating the epistle of Mark to Mark. Peter's one dictating. He would write this later in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8 to a group of people that he was pastor of. And he says, you love him, Jesus, even though you've never seen him. And though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with glorious and inexpressible joy. How did they come to trust Jesus and know Jesus? Because they heard the message of the Lord and they obeyed it and it found root in their life and it brought inexpressible joy into their hearts. The first lesson I'd say tonight is seize the moment when you sense the presence of Christ. Seize the moment when you sense the presence of Christ. You know, there are those times in our life when we sense God is doing something, when we're driving, when we're having a meal with someone, when we're talking to a friend or working. God is always with us. It's not that God is not always with us, but there are special moments when we sense the Spirit of the Lord is at work. It may be with our children. It may be in our marriage. It may be with our vocations or our callings. It may be with a friend or a neighbor. But seize that moment because every day was the same for Bart. He woke up in darkness. He got dressed in darkness. He tap, tap, tap his way to the same place in the street because that's what beggars did. They went to the same place. The coat he wore marked him as being a beggar so that he could beg. And today, though, this particular day was different because there was a crowd and there was a murmur going through the crowd. And the murmur was this, that Jesus of Nazareth was passing this way. There used to be a song that we sang about, that we sang when I was growing up in church. This is, reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by. You'll find he's never too busy to hear your heart's cry. He's passing by this moment. Your needs he'll supply. Reach out and touch the Lord. And the purpose of that song was there are moments when in worship or there are moments in life that you come to that God is moving and you reach out and you take it. Bart had heard about Jesus of Nazareth. And one of the things that Bart had heard about Jesus was that he opened the eyes of the blind. Bartimaeus wasn't the first blind person that Jesus healed. And when he heard this, because blind people, at least my blind friends that I have, they're 
listening is much more acute than mine and yours are because we're not distracted by sight. We're distracted by sight, and they're not. So they really learn to pay attention to, to sounds and tones and voices and sounds around them as well. And so so when, when Bartimaeus heard, look at verse 47 with me tonight. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he sees that moment. He began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This is his moment. This is his window of opportunity. And if there's a big crowd around, the only way he's going to be able to seize that moment is to be heard by Jesus, is to be heard by him. You and I have the advantage that Christ is always with us. He lives in our hearts. But that Calvary hasn't happened yet. The resurrection hasn't happened. So he seizes his moment. And the crowd, they react negatively to to Bartimaeus. How many of you have heard of Blaise Pascal? One of the things that Pascal said was, our principal malady is our pride, which cuts us off from God. And so if we let pride or what other people think about us, we can miss what God wants to do in our life. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2 says, indeed, the right time is now. Now, this is speaking about salvation. Today is the salvation. But the right time for Bart was right then. Because basically what people were saying to him was, shut up, old man, be quiet. You know, we all want to hear Jesus, and we can't hear him over your shouting, but Bartimaeus kept on. My point is this, tonight you're hearing the word of the Lord. Tonight God may be dealing with you about something. God may be dealing about something with those of you in this room tonight. It might be your moment. Seize that moment, whether it's for salvation or to share your faith with a friend or to invite somebody to church or, or to do something kind or to give an offering to someone or a neighbor that's in need. But the biggest thing is call out to Jesus when you feel that, that sense of moving Be sure you're praying. If you're married, ask your wife or your husband to pray with you. The second thing is, pray with a persistent and a passionate and a bold faith. Pray with a persistent and a passionate and a bold faith. When I'm with people and I'm in a crowd, I tend to pray much quieter. There are times when I come down here by myself and I'm sure the building is locked and there are things that I really need to intensely pray about, passionately pray about. I pray about it, and I can pray about marriages. I can pray about folks and their needs. I can pour my heart out. I can weep without any sense of of being heard by anybody else so that I never betray a confidence or anything like that. It's what I mean. Passionate faith sometimes will move you to weep. Passionate faith will move you sometimes to pray loudly. And you can be just as persistent and passionate if you pray quietly. I don't mean to say that you can't, but for me personally, even though most of my prayers are very quiet, there are times when I feel that need to cry out. And over and over, we see that in the Scripture, cry out. And one time, just out of curiosity, I looked that up. Did it really mean cry out? And the Hebrew and the Greek both are Cry out. I mean, cry out loud. Dick Eastman, I don't know if you've ever read any of his books, but Dick Eastman, who wrote a wonderful book on prayer, records how one time in, in before the, the wall fell in Eastern Europe and he was living and hungry, he just felt led of the Lord to cry out in prayer over the city. I remember reading that, and I've told you this story before, so it bears repeating. When I had the opportunity to visit John Knox's house in Edinburgh, Scotland, and when he was imprisoned in his house, he would lean out the window and preach to the crowds in the street. So I asked 
the docent that was taking me through the house, I says, do you mind opening this window for me? And could I just share a couple of verses of Scripture like John Knox did? She chuckled, opened the door, and I began quoting Scripture, and people started stopping below. Well, that let the preacher go in me right there. So you cry out sometime. Sometimes you have to pray boldly and bark. Now, listen, I told you, I, I point this out to you. Bart was in the business of begging. And if you've been to Latin America or you've been to Africa or Italy, you've run into professional beggars, right? They are loud. They are persistent. They will follow you. If you pull a dime out of your pocket, suddenly you're going to be mobbed by beggars who are coming around you. Bart was a professional beggar, and he knew how to get people's attention. It's why in verse 48, they were saying, be quiet, <laughs> the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, and this is key, son of David, have mercy on me. This is the first time, son of David, have mercy upon me. He is confessing Jesus as the Messiah. He is confessing Christ. My faith in Jesus is that Jesus Christ is the Messiah tonight. That's my faith in Jesus. He's the Messiah. Public opinion was divided. The religious police were hounding Jesus everywhere. We're about to see in the passion of just how divided public attention was. But Bart, I think, now I'm kind of reading between the lines, and this is what you should do when you read the Scriptures. I think Bart heard he's opening the eyes of the blind. I think Bart had listened carefully to Torah. I think Bart had listened carefully to the prophets, and he had heard that he would open the eyes of the blind. That had not happened before. Now it's happening. He realizes that he could, he could get healed as well. There are two strands of prophecy that Bart must have got a hold of. The first strand, when he said, son of David, Mary was a descendant of David. Joseph, even though Joseph was the adoptive father, Joseph was also a descendant of David. That's the reason the Bible makes very clear those family tree lines. But also it was fulfilling the prophecy. Look at one more, Isaiah 35 and verse 5. And when he comes, speaking of Jesus, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. This is exactly what Jesus was doing. The next thing I'd say is my faith is not in myself or my goodness or that I've earned it. My faith is in the goodness and the mercy of God. My faith is always in the goodness and mercy of God. Bart never said to Jesus, Jesus, I've lived a good life. Remember, Peter said to Jesus, we've left all to follow you. Remember that? That's appealing to what a good guy. I have been a church member. I've been a tither. I've taken care of the poor. All of these commandments I've kept from my youth. And Jesus sent a rich young man away who loved his money more than he loved Jesus. Instead, you've got this poor, blind beggar who knows he has nothing, nothing to offer to Jesus, but he believes in the goodness and mercy of God. Do you know what Mark wants you to see here? Mark wants you to get this. We are all poor, blind beggars before God. We are all poor, blind beggars before God. Last week, just in my prayers, my personal prayers, I'm writing my prayers down, and I'm thinking. It just dawned on me, and I prayed this Saturday night in prayer service. I prayed this Sunday morning in prayer service. I've been praying it every day this week. Lord, my lack of knowledge, my lack of wisdom of how to pray in no way hinders the power of God, in no way hinders the kingdom of heaven. I may be poor, but my Father is rich. Can you say amen to that? And so, 
in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 17, Jesus says to some Christians who thought they were really it, he says, you are wretched, miserable, poor, and blind. Remember, Pascal said it's a stumbling block. However, Psalms 23 and verse 6 says this, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Look at your neighbor tonight and say, goodness and mercy are following me. Goodness and mercy are following. Friends, wherever I go, goodness and mercy are following me because the Lord is with me. My limitations, if I've learned anything, and if I want you to learn anything from my personal faith story, my limitations are God's greatest opportunities to show his power in my life. And you're about to see the power of God <laughs> revealed in Bart's life. The next thing I'd like you to see, and this is how you overcome, is you've got to have a personal faith in God. My faith is personal. Now, normally... When my wife, who does our grocery shopping, doesn't like me to do the grocery shopping, gives me a list to pick up and says, get only what's on the list, and I never do because I always see something that looks good, like Briar's Mint ch Chocolate Chip Ice Cream. You know, there are f I don't mind generic brands. I, if you can save money, I don't mind generic brands. But there are some things I do not like generic on, and I do not want in my house, and that is... If it's oatmeal, it's got to be Quaker old Oh, you know, <laughs> Quaker old-fashioned rolled oats, oatmeal. That's the kind that I like. If it's canned peas, I want Lassure very young sweet peas. Do not buy those generic. It tastes like china berries, you know. I just, there's some things that are just, you want the right thing. I don't want a plastic Jesus. I don't want a Jesus that's generic. I want to know him, love him, and follow him. So when Jesus, look at Mark 10, 49. When Jesus heard him, he stopped. He's calling out, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus says, tell him to come here. So now the crowd that's fussing at him, all of a sudden they're his buddy now. Cheer up, they said. Come on. He's calling you. You know, the problem today for you and me is not that Jesus isn't speaking. Jesus is still talking to us. He's talking to some of you tonight. I firmly believe that. He's talked to me in preparing this message. I have lived in this passage and just found myself at times just lifting my hands. I can't help myself, but just sometimes just pray in the Spirit. But there's something here that you need to know, and that listening in the Bible always involves obeying. To listen in the Bible means that you obey. There's a difference between listening and hearing. You know, a lot of times, Becky will say, you're not listening to me. I can repeat word for word what she said. She goes, you heard me, but you didn't listen to me. And that's true, you know, because I tend to get other things on my mind. And so she does the right thing. She calls me back and says, pay attention. And then I look at her, and I see her nonverbals, which are much more powerful than her verbals, you know. And so I listen and then I obey. <laughs> so, you know, here, this, this is the deal I want you to get. Listening and obeying. The Hebrew word is shema. It means to hear or to listen. But that same word is also translated as obey in our scriptures. Next, my faith has to be bigger than the negativity of those around me. My faith has to be bigger than the negativity of those around me. For all my life, I've had people telling me why I can't do this, why I couldn't walk, why I couldn't go to college, why I, it, 
all my life why I couldn't run, why I couldn't preach, why I couldn't be a pastor. All my life, people have been, there, there's going to be, there are going to be dream killers in your life. There are going to be people who come after whatever God has laid in your heart. And they're not necessarily meaning bad. My own pastor who just apologized to me years later and said, you know, I, we just couldn't see God using you. I, I didn't have the diaphragm. I didn't have the strength. I didn't have the stamina. But God makes all the difference, amen? If God calls, he supplies. And so your faith has got to be even bigger. Now, listen, this is important. Don't take this to an extreme. Your faith has to be bigger than the negativity of even those who care about you. And by that, I'm not saying don't listen to good counsel, but ultimately, you're responsible for the decisions you make and not the counselors who give you advice. So always seek to have counsel from godly people filled with faith. My faith, and we'll just keep moving tonight, my faith needs to be focused and specific. Focused and specific. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man, said, I want to see. Jesus is drawing Bart out. Jesus is drawing his faith out. He shouted, he's hollered, Jesus has called him. And now Jesus is asking him, I think what he's asking you tonight, what do you want me to do for you? It was in 1978, the first time I really got a hold of this, and I couldn't quite understand it. I was listening to Dr. Paul Youngie Cho at the Sheraton Biltmore in Atlanta, Georgia. It's right across from Georgia Tech if you're ever driving through Atlanta on I-75. And I couldn't get to Dr. Cho that night. And I was there for a three-day conference with him, and there were just so many people that were there. So I purposely watched to see how he left. One night, I think I've told you the story, I pushed him into a broom closet, shut the door, and locked it. Told him I wasn't a crazy man. People are screaming and hollering. And I said, Dr. Cho, I grew up crippled. I'm still getting well. Help me get a handle on this very thing about focused and being specific. And I told him specific prayers that I had prayed that God had not answered yet. And Dr. Cho shouted to the door in that Korean accent, it's okay, I'm okay, I'll be just a minute. And he took time to teach me about faith. He says, you have to meditate on the Word until the Word becomes alive in you. And you're not just saying it because you accept it, but suddenly it becomes alive and that Logos Word begins to work in you and you know that you know that God's going to do this, and you move out. And a lot of times, people want to just take the written word and move on that and expect God to do something without first waiting on God in prayer and fasting and saying, Lord, would you quicken this to my spirit? What do you want me to do? What is Jesus saying to you tonight? He's drawing Bartimaeus out. I tell you this. I think the reason Bartimaeus could say so quickly, I want to see, is he lived every day in total darkness. He lived every day tapping his way to the same place. He lived every day saying, alms, alms for the blind, which was legal for him to do. And there must have been times that he thought, there must be more 
to life than this. There must be more. And when he heard Isaiah and he heard the prophets, and now he recognizes Jesus is the Messiah, he can be healed. Ray Charles, I loved hearing, anybody familiar with Ray Charles? I loved hearing Ray Charles sing. I've got CDs that I've given to my son now that by Ray Charles, but I used to just love them. But anyway, Ray Charles was um, shaving in his room one day with an electric razor. Yeah. And um, another comedian, famous comedian, knocked on his door and came in, and the lights were all out. And this very famous comedian says, Ray, why are you shaving in the dark? I can't see in here. And Ray goes, brother, I do everything in the dark. And the comedian said it was the first time he really understood what Ray had to live with, and yet he created such beautiful music and such beautiful art. I want to tell you, you may be in the dark about a lot of things tonight, but if you will obey Jesus and follow Jesus, and if tonight is your night of salvation, and you're listening to this sometimes later, remember I read to you earlier where the word of the Lord says, tonight, today is the day of salvation, your life will change because Christ is the light of our life. My faith must also be obedient. But then Jesus said to him in Mark 10, verse 52, go for your faith has healed you. Now, faith in Jesus, not faith itself, but faith in Jesus. Instantly, say that word with me, instantly, say it again, instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. Notice what Jesus did for him. He says, go your way. The man could have went anywhere he wanted to go, but instead he chose to go the way of Jesus. He chose to follow Jesus. And I think it was that that Jesus saw in his heart that this man wants more than a healing. This man wants a personal relationship with me. And I think that's the key to answered prayer, that we want him. That's the reason we say we are passionate followers of Christ around here. We don't do good deeds to earn our way into heaven or to get more rewards in heaven. We just want to be like Jesus. And my faith should always result in the glory of God. Can you imagine what it must have been like when all of a sudden Bartimaeus could see? And it's going through the crowd. What the we're, I haven't even taken time because I don't have time for it. But where did this happen? Do you remember where this happened at? Jericho. Jericho was the place where the walls came tumbling down. Jericho is the place of so many stories in the Bible. And Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to be crucified for your sins and my sins. Jesus is on his way to conquer sin, death, hell, and the grave. And on the way, he meets a man that follows him to the cross. Now, I have told you at the very beginning of this message, and I told you there would be a surprise. I've told you at the very beginning of this message, most scholars believe that John Mark is the one that you read about that fled in the passion scene and his, you know, his coat was grabbed off of him. There are many scholars that believe it was Bartimaeus, and we'll get into that later when we get to that passage of why it might have been Bartimaeus instead of Mark. So in closing tonight, Jesus is merciful to all who call upon him in prayer. Jesus is merciful to you, to me. The only thing you and I have to do is call. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. We don't have to, we don't come before God and say, you know, because I've done this, we just simply say, 
Jesus, have mercy on me. I am blind. I am poor. Who, who, remember, we're talking about God. We're talking about being in the presence of God. What have we got to offer to God except our love and our hearts? It's the reason Jesus said in John 5, verse 24, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. And just one more verse for you. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I pray that you know how much that God loves you and that you and I can call on him together tonight. Let me pray for you, and we'll say goodnight. Jesus, thank you for these lessons. All of us face challenges. God, some of us face awesome challenges like Bart did. But Lord, I pray for everyone listening tonight that, God, they will be moved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. I pray that you will give unbelievers, Lord, those that have never committed their lives to Jesus or those who've wandered from their faith, God, the humility to call out to you, Jesus, have mercy upon me. And let us hear and hear that word again. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Good night. I want to see you here Sunday morning. We're going to talk about being a friend of God. We're going to be closing our series on friendship. So I hope to see you here Sunday. Good night.